as, um, as we begin this morning, and um, the handouts there in the back, if it can be handed out at this time for the, the sermon. God has been really good to all of us, and we're looking at a whole new good year this, this year, beloved. Amen? Amen? It's going to be a really a blessed year. Um, if you have your bulletins with you, you can look at a couple of things here. First of all, our mission is to believe in the word of God this morning, beloved. Amen. If you believe in the word of God, let me say amen. amen. So we're here to study the word of God and not to follow tradition, but to follow what the word of God says here this morning, beloved. Amen. amen. And tradition has, can become infallible. It can be seen like it's always right. But we need to go based upon church tradition, how things have always been done in church, or what is the Word of God says. We've got to do what the Word of God says, beloved, this morning. Amen? Amen. And so the Bible and the Spirit of Prophecy talks about the priesthood of all believers, and we're all priests, and we're all ministers of the gospel, right? And how the members are to work and to serve the Lord. We believe that here in this church, that every one of you is a minister of the gospel, beloved. Amen? Amen. Called by God this morning. And so this morning, I want to look in the back. I'm starting a new series starting today. And there was a series I did on relationships. Do you remember that a little while ago? The 12 sermons. Loving you as God loves you. In the back is a new series that I'm starting today about relationship, but between us and our God. Amen? And so it's entitled The Ultimate Love Story. That's the name of the series we're starting. And a series of 12 sermons subtitled, The Battle for Your Heart. The Battle for Your Heart. And in this series that we're going to be learning about, we're going to be experiencing and seeing the real love of God as revealed in His Word this morning, beloved. Amen? And so this morning, may this series help us to experience this love of God in our lives as we see through the Word of God this morning. The sermon entitled this morning is, the first sermon of this series, entitled, God's Last Chance for Love. God's Last Chance for Love. I invite you to turn me to, your, to the opening text, to Exodus chapter 33 in your Bibles. Exodus chapter 33, verse 18. Exodus 33, verse 18. 18. Now, how many of you, you can think back now, how many of you have ever been in a relationship with somebody where you love that person. But unfortunately, the person that you truly loved didn't feel the same way about you. You ever been there? Or maybe someone who loved you and you didn't feel quite the same way about that person. In fact, there were really no feelings at all. It was just a good friendship, but they, they loved you and they wanted something more. You ever been there before? 
Or maybe you've known someone who's been in this situation. And it may not be your husband or your wife or your boyfriend or your girlfriend that's sitting next to you. But maybe before in your past relationship that you thought there was maybe some time in your life where you loved someone, but they didn't love you in return. You ever been there before? You ever been? I've been there before. <laughs> but have you ever been? Be transparent. Okay, let's be real this year in 2010, beloved. Amen? Have you ever been there before? Think way back, maybe. And it came to a point in your life that you felt, I need to make an ultimatum with this person. I gotta say, this either we gonna you're gonna respond to my love or I'm gonna have to move on. Time is short, I gotta move on and go a different direction and, and go and get on with my life. Have you ever thought like that before? Or that person gave you that ultimatum. I'm gonna have to, you know, you're gonna have to make a decision. You're gonna have to choose because I want to love you. You're not loving me, but therefore I'm gonna have to move on and go on with my life. And maybe that has happened in your life. And either it worked when it said, well, I'm going to try one more time, right? Or it didn't work. And you found out that person got together with someone else in the future, right? And you got together with someone else also. We're the same way with God. In these last days, God knows that his time is short from his side, his perspective, we're living in a time where God is willing to do everything possible, beloved, this morning, to plead and to call us from self to Him. We're living in a time where God is sending message after message of His love and goodness in order to melt our hardened hearts. We're living in a time where God knows that this is His last chance for love with you, and with me this morning, beloved. Amen? He knows that this may possibly be it. The ultimatum's been said that this is it. He's saying this may be my last chance for love, have a love relationship with you here this morning. So this morning as we open the word of God, may God reveal to us what he's really trying to do for us in these last days. Let us pray. Father, as your word is open. We do ask for your spirit, your word to come alive, that you may speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. What did Moses want to see? Look at the Bible says in Exodus 33, verse 18. The Bible says, Moses is speaking to God. He says, and he said, Moses said, I beseech you, show me your what? Glory. Show me your glory. Moses want God to show him his glory. Now, what did Moses mean when he said, show me your glory? Well, let's look at the word show. What do you mean by that? Now, when my daughter comes to me and runs to me and says, Daddy, I want to show you something. And says, uh, tell me about it. <laughs> tell my daughter, Anya, tell me about it because I'm busy, right? She says, no, I want to show you something. What does she mean by that? She, what she means is that she wants me to see with my very own eyes what she is seeing, right? In other words, when Moses is saying to God, God, show me your glory, when he's saying, I want to see your glory, not, not only see, but I want to understand your glory. I want to know what your glory is. And that's what Moses is saying in, in this text right here. 
Now, what is the glory that Moses wanted to see? What is, what is God's glory? Look at verse 18 and 19. Look at 19, it says, God said, and he said, God, and he, God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. I will, in answer to his prayer, he said, I will proclaim the, what is that word? Name of the Lord before thee. So when Moses said, show me your glory, God answers, says, I will proclaim my what? Name. I will proclaim my name to you. So God's glory is his name. Do you see that? Now what does a name mean? Turn me to, hold your place here, but turn me to 1 Samuel 25 in your Bibles, in the Old Testament, several books down, 1 Samuel 25, verse 25. Now, remember the story of David, and he's going to come and destroy Nabal, right? And then Abigail ran out to, to stop David from killing her husband, right? You remember that story? And so the, she ran out everything, and then she said, and then she said this in verse 25. She said, um, by the way, Nabal means fooly, foolish, right? Folly. So it says in verse 25, Let not my Lord, I pray you, regard this man of Belial, talking about her own husband, even Nabal, which means foolish, for as his name is, so is what? He. So basically, she's calling her own husband a fool, trying to save his life. But the Bible says here that as his name is, what? So is what? He. In other words, he's exactly what his name proclaims him to be. Now, why is that so? You see, in the Jewish culture of that time, a child was named eight days after he was born, right? And they gave him a name. And what happened, for the first eight days, they used to watch what was the character of that child. And then whatever characteristics they saw, they would place the name of that child to match the character of that child, and somehow they would live out the rest of their lives. Now today we do it backwards, right? Don't we? We name the child before, right? It comes out, right? We name, that's how we, we name the child before and hoping it will go along. You know, in the Hawaiian culture here in Hawaii, um, especially in the Hawaiian culture, each Name, you know this, right? Each name that is given match, is in the hopes that it matches also, has a meaning, it matches that child, it has a meaning. Like um, our daughter's name is Anya. Her Hawaiian name is Kaimilani, which means, does anyone know? It means, Kaimi means seeker. Lani means heaven. Seeker of heaven. So when we named her, what we wanted to do was we will hope with the hopes that her name would come true, that she'll live up to her name. You heard that before, live up to your name, your character. So you live up to the name that she will be a seeker of heaven, right? And so that is the meanings of the names, is our desire that she will live up to her name. And when you think of a certain person, what it is, these are characteristics of a person. A character of a person is a person's name. Example, when you think of certain people, we give a, we hear a certain name, you automatically think of certain character traits or characteristics. Example. Now you share with me. When you hear the name Hitler, 
What do you think about? Give me some names. Give me some ver- adjectives. What is it? What do you hear? What do you think about? Evil. Tyrant. Death. Dictator. So these are character traits, right? That's his character. A name is someone's character, right? Now you think of the word name, Gandhi. What are you thinking? Passion, peace, love. Do you see that? Do you see how a name gives you character traits? So when God is, when Moses said, show me your glory, God says, I'll proclaim my name. In other words, he says, I will reveal to you my name or my character or who I am. And that's why if you look at your handout here on the top of the beginning of the green handout, it says, God's glory is his name. And then God's name, the name is rep- represents someone's character. And then, so in other words, if God's, if the glory is of his name and the name is someone's character, then the glory is character. Do you see that? Now looking just to, ver- just to show you some principle from inspiration, from reflecting Christ. Right below that is a quotation that says, the glory of God is his what? Character. character. So God's glory is his God's name. God's name is God's character. Who he is. And that's what we'll be looking at. Turn back with me now. Now we know what God's glory is, is his character. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 33, where we were at before. And as we go through our Bible study this morning, Exodus chapter 33, verse 18 and um, 19. So here it is, Moses. What else is God's glory? Notice the Bible says. Moses said in verse 18, show me your glory. And 19 says, and he said, God said, I will make all my what? Goodness pass before me. So another thing about God's glory is that God's glory is God's what? Goodness, according to the Bible, which is God's name, God's character. In other words, it's who God is. God is truly good this morning, beloved. Amen? Our God is a God of love this morning. Our God is full of goodness this morning. And so that's why God is, says, I, I will show you my goodness. Now, why do you think? So in other words, Moses was saying to God, God, let me see after we interpret everything, let me see your goodness. Do you see that? He said, God, let me see, understand, experience, to know. Let me see your goodness. And why is it that Moses said, let me see your goodness? What is the whole point that why Moses wanted to see God's goodness? Turn me to Romans chapter 2, verse 4 for the answer. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. For, for the answer. We looked at this before, but let's bring it in the, in the context of God's glory. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Why in the world did Moses say to God, show me your glory, or let me see your goodness? What was it that Moses was truly seeking after? Notice what the Bible says here in verse chapter 2, verse 4. Why was the reason Moses wanted to see God's goodness? Paul says, Despisest thou or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and love long suffering? In other words, are you gonna despise God's the riches of God's goodness? The riches of God's forbearance and the riches of God's patience. You're gonna despise all these good character traits of God, or you despise all these things, is a question that Paul asks. And it says, Why we despise these things? And, and then Paul says, not knowing, said, Don't you know? People, Paul is saying to us, 
Don't you know that the goodness of God leads us to what? Repentance. Transformation of the life. Not external works or external following the letter of the law, disobedience, external obedience. But he was saying, don't you know that if you want a true repentance, a true transformation of the spirit of the law on the inside of the heart, don't you know the only way you can experience this if you can see the goodness of God here this morning, beloved. Amen? If you only can see God's forbearance toward you, if you only can see God's long-suffering toward you, you only can see God's patience to you, if you only can see God's goodness to you, God's mercy to you, God's love for you, if you would see all these things, you would experience what it means to have a transformed life in the love of Jesus Christ this morning. Believe that one saying, let me hear you say amen. Amen? And God wants us to experience a transformed life this morning. And Moses knew this secret. And that's why he prayed this prayer. He said, Lord, show me how good you are. Show me how good. What Moses is saying is, don't behold only the negative in this world. By beholding, you become changed, right? Amen? As the news comes on, it's so easy to look at the negativity. As a newspaper comes out, it's so easy to read the evils going on in explicit detail sometimes. As the magazines come out, it's so easy to read parts of all the corruption in the government. As the videos come out, you can see all the wickedness and evil in the world. And all these things, and on the internet, and everything we're bombarded, and the workers at the, and your co-workers at work, talking about the, the boss and why these things are going on. And all these things, it's so easy to see the evil and the wickedness in this world. Is it not true? And Moses saw and believed that we need, he needed to see God's goodness because he wanted, in other words, what Moses wanted was a, Victory over sin in his life. He wanted true victory on the inside, a transformation of love on the inside that he would live out what God had wanted him to live, live out in his life, to see God's goodness. Now, what does God want to do for us today? Turn into 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 in your Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. What did God want to do for us today? What the Bible says. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Where did God command light to shine out of darkness? At what time in this world? When was that? In the beginning, in creation, right? So this same God who commanded light to shine out of darkness back in creation, right? Light out of darkness has shined where? In our hearts. In other words, it was dark back then, he shone light in creation. If he's shining light in our hearts now, that means that there must be darkness in order for him to shine light there, right, beloved, amen? So our hearts are dark, the Bible says. Shine in our hearts to do what? To give the what? The light. I am the light, the way... Jesus says, I'm the truth. The light, another word for light is the truth. To give the truth of the knowledge of the glory. You seen that word before? 
glory of God in the what? Face of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? In other words, this is our definition. Light is truth. Darkness is what? Lies. Who's the father of lies? So Satan comes to this world and he gives a false picture of who God is, right? Is that not true? He tells that God is cruel, God is a tyrant, God is evil, God is not good, God is not patient, God is not forbearance, right? He's not none of these things. He's cruel and evil and a tyrant. And Jesus Christ came to this earth to reveal the true character of his Father, which is the truth about his Father, which is that he is good and merciful and loving and forgiving and full of forbearance. Is that not true? So what this text is saying here, beloved, is that God is saying to us that when God, God shined light to come out of darkness before, and today, beloved, if you believe, he will shine the light, the truth of the knowledge of the glory. God's glory is his what? Character, which is his what else? His name, what else? Goodness. In other words, he's going to let the light of the knowledge of the goodness of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God wants to show in our hearts the truth about his real character that he is truly a good God here this morning, beloved. Amen? He wants to reveal to us, and we've been so warped in our thinking and with the false lies about God that we truly do not believe that God is truly good. Look at these quotes here. I want to read these quotes in, a, in your handout here, in the green handouts. Listen to this. Talking about Lucifer, what he did. This is the bold print. It says, therefore he, Lucifer, misrepresented God. He spread rumors about God, lies about God, attributing to him, God, the desire for self-exaltation. Lucifer spreading rumors that God is a, he just want to exalt himself. He's such a selfish God. You want to see what, what's Lucifer's purpose in doing this? With his own evil characteristics, he sought to invest the loving creator. In other words, he's saying God, he's saying God is like this, when exactly he is like that. You, see, you know people who do this on this earth? They, they actually misrepresent other people, but that is actually how they are like. Thus, he deceived angels. Thus, he deceived us. Is that not true? He led them to doubt the word of God and to distrust his what? What's that word? Goodness, his glory, his character, his name. Because God is a God of justice and terrible majesty, Satan caused them to look upon him as what? Severe and unforgiving. You ever had thoughts like that about God? Thus he drew men to join in the rebellion against God, and the night of woe settled down upon the world. I want you to notice that Satan is able to join us, get us to join him in rebellion against God based upon how he presents and makes us to believe how God is like. Are you following me? If we see God is a God of goodness and love, we would definitely want to love and to serve him. But if God is a cruel and evil God who's selfish, how can we love that type of God? Is that not true? How can we love that type of God? 
Look at the quote on the back. It says the people, talking about the Jewish church, and this parallels with the God's remnant church in these days, the people whom God had called to be the pillar and ground of the truth had become representatives of Satan. In other words, the Jewish church back then, right before they killed Christ, they had become representatives of Satan. Why? They were doing the work that he, Satan, desired them to do. What work was that? Taking a course to misrepresent the, what is that word? Character, glory, name, goodness. Misrepresent the character of God and cause the world to look upon him as a what? Tyrant. My question this morning is this. Have we as the remnant church of God become just like the Jewish church? And my only answer as I think about this answer is absolutely. When I read the Bible, and I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible and I read inspiration, the spirit of prophecy, and I read what Christians should be like, and I look at us as a church, and I look at what we should be like, and I look at the church, it's like night and day, beloved. You know that's true, right? We do not live what Christians should be living like. We just do not live. God's church is just not living what the word of God is saying we should be living like. We're not loving each other like the Bible says we should be loving each other. So I'm looking at this and looking at our churches. And I realize it is only a result of the fact that we truly do not have a deep love for God. Are you following me? It's only a symptom, a sign that something deeper is wrong, that we don't have a love, a deep love for God within our churches. Is that not true? And it goes one step further. The reason why we do not have a deep love for God is because we have a wrong picture of God here this morning, beloved. Amen? We do not know who God really is. Now I want you to think about this. When you hear, think about these words, and this Bring up to mind what your thoughts and your feelings are when you hear these words. What do you think and feel when you hear the word money? Money. How many wish you had this more of it out there, right? You just wish you could have more of it, you could spend more and do more good things with it. I mean, what feelings does it bring to you when you hear the word money? Thoughts. New cars. Nice house. More safety, form of safety, okay? Good. So, but in general, people think, oh, I wish I had more money, I wish I had more to, to do more things and to buy more things and I could be more happy. In other words, we look to money as it can actually solve a lot of our problems. Don't we think that way? I mean, a lot of us, even in the church, right? We think about that. So it brings like good thoughts and happy thoughts and positive thoughts, doesn't it? Money. But tell me what you think when you hear the word God. God. Different to different people. But if our feelings and thoughts and feelings get way more excited when we think of the word money than we think of it when we hear the word God, then something must be wrong with our affections and feelings and thoughts of where it's placed at. Are you following me, beloved, this morning? If we get more excited talking about money and what it can do and all the problems it can solve 
and get less excited about when we hear the word God and what God can do in our lives and solving up the problems in our lives, then there's something there that there is a problem about us truly loving the God of who created us this morning. But do you see what I'm saying? Do you not see our need in God's church to love God here this morning? Do you not see that we need to love God with all of our heart, all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength? And if we do that, then we... But you know, you can never force someone to love, right? And God says, I don't want to force you to love me. What I want you to do is, I want you to pray the prayer of Moses. And that prayer is, Lord, I cannot love you. I don't love you because... People are misrepresenting you, who they say that you are like. The church is misrepresenting to you of what they say you are like. And therefore, I cannot love you. So I only can pray one prayer, and that one prayer is this. Lord, show me your goodness. Amen? Show me who you are. Show me your love. Show me how much you love me. Because then and only then will I experience that true love within my heart for you, which I know I need, beloved. Amen? And all those other stuff, the works and the righteousness and the, the good behavior, all those rules will naturally fall in place. But beloved, we must love God. But before we can love God, we must see his love for us. And then we can love God. We must not believe the lies of Satan this morning, beloved. Amen? So God wants that with us. Now let's go to the last message. Turn to Joel chapter 2, verse 23 in your Bibles. Joel chapter 2, verse 23 in, in the Minor Prophets. Joel chapter 2, right after Hosea. Let's look at the last days. What is prophesied to come in the last days? Joel, Joel chapter 2, verse 23, the Bible says, Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain, in the first month. Beloved, we are waiting as a people for the latter rain. Right, beloved? Amen? We're waiting for the latter rain. Now, what is the latter rain? Well, if you look in the Jewish culture back then, in the beginning of the agricultural season, there was the rain called the former rain. And at the end of the agricultural season, there was the rain that came right before the harvest that was called the latter rain. Now, the rain here in the Bible, as you look at the Hebrew, refers to teacher. Now, we know the latter rain is connected with the Holy Spirit. And we told, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will come and he will, what he will do to you? He will teach you all things, right? So referring to a teacher. So the latter rain is the teaching. Now, look in your Bible. Some of you have a margin in the middle, and it has margin for the former rain, moderately. What do you see there in your Bible? Does anyone see what your, your margins are saying as a, as a Hebrew definition? Do you see that? What does it say there? 2.23. Do you see that? What does it say? Ah, teacher righteousness, and it goes up according to what? Righteousness. Do you see that? So in the margins, it goes what the Hebrew is saying. It's saying that the latter rain is a teacher of righteousness. In other words, if you're going to teach something, there's something that you must teach. In other words, there is a message. In other words, the latter rain is a message, beloved. The latter rain is a message this morning. And this message is this. It is a revelation of God's character of love this morning, beloved. Amen? 
Now turn to Revelation chapter 14 in your Bibles. We're going to go to Revelation chapter 14, verse 1. What, char- what is the characteristic of the 144,000? The Bible says, and verse 4 and 5 after, it says, And I looked, and lo, a lamb, Jesus, stood on the Mount of Zion, with him 144,000. This is right before Jesus comes. Having his father's, what? What is that word? Name. God's name is his what? Character. In other words, within the minds, written in the foreheads, within the minds, they will be sealed with the character of Jesus Christ, which is full of love, right, beloved? Amen? That's what's going to happen. Now, what else happened in verse 4 and 5? These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no guile, no deceit, for they are without what? Fault before the throne of God. In other words, they had the character of Christ. They were reproducing the character of Christ within their very lives, beloved. Amen? And that's why you look at the quote here, the second to the last, it says, Christ is waiting with longing desire for the manifestation of himself in his church. When the character, there's that word again, character of Christ shall be perfectly reproduced in his people, the character of love now, then he will come to claim them as his what? Oh. The 144,000 will be a people will reflect the character of Christ, love within their lives, beloved. Amen? Amen? Unlike ever before, they will reflect his beautiful and loving and merciful and kind, forbearing love within their lives. Not an external list of rules and do's and don'ts, but they experience a transformation of the heart of love for their brothers and their sisters and truly keep the commands of God in their hearts, beloved. Amen? That is the honey 44,000 that the Bible says. But what will happen to the wicked people? Well, first of all, how is this possible? Look at verse 6 and 7 of, of chapter 14. The Bible says, And I saw another angel, the first angel's message, fly in the midst of heaven, having an everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth. Now look at verse 7. Saying with a loud voice, fear God and give, what is that word? Glory. Glory. Now God's glory is his what? Character. What else? Goodness. In other words, give goodness to God, beloved. Amen? In other words, don't believe the lies of Satan. God is not a tyrant. God is not evil. Believe that God is a God of love, a God of mercy. That is the message of the foundation of the first angel's message. That is a foundation that you must believe the truth that God is a God of love this morning, beloved. Amen? Amen. And if you believe that, then and only then first, then will you be able to reflect his goodness to other people, beloved. Amen? Amen? You cannot reflect goodness to other people by forcing yourself to reflect goodness to other people. You just cannot do it. You must see God's goodness first. Now look at chapter 16, the next Two chapters later, 16 verse 9. What would the wicked people not do during the time of trouble, the seven last plagues in the last days? Notice what the Bible says. And men will scorch with great heat and blaspheme the what? Sounds familiar? Hmm. 
They blasphemed the name of God. They blasphemed the goodness of God. They did not believe. They despised God's goodness, His forbearance, and His love. They didn't want to believe that God was really good, which had power over the plagues, the seven last plagues, and they repented not to give Him, what is that word again? Glory. They would not believe that God is love, that God is good. And that is why they were lost. They would rather believe the lies of Satan that God is, un, is a selfish God. God is a, a tyrant. God is evil. They rather believe those lies. They cannot answer all the questions. Why there's so much suffering in this world? And thus God is an evil and wicked God. Why God don't answer my prayers? They rather believe those lies than the truth of what Jesus Christ said, that his Father God is love this morning, beloved. Do you believe that God is love this morning? Amen. You believe that God is love this morning? Let me hear you say amen. Amen? Amen. amen. And in Revelation 18, verse 1, this is the last message. What is the last message that God sends to a loved, starved world? Revelation 18, 1. Notice what the Bible says. And after these things, I saw another angel. Now, the word angel means what? Does anyone know? Messenger. And a messenger has a what? Message. So does a message come down from where? Heaven. Having what? Great what? Power. And what is this message? And the earth was lightened, or the truth, with his what? Glory. glory. You seen that word before? Which is God's glory is his what? What is God's glory? His character. His goodness. In other words, the last message of mercy that's going to be given to the world is a revelation of God's character of love to you and me. In other words, it's God's last call for love to, for you and me with him, beloved. Amen? That is God's last message. Look at the quote on the last part. This is from Christ's Object Lessons, page 416. The last message of mercy to be given to the world is a revelation of his character of what? Love. The last message. What message does it say? What message? The last message. There is no last and another one beyond the last. There's only one last message. That last message is a revelation, a message from God of the character of God, that God's character is a character of a loving God who loves you with all of his heart and he will give everything he had in heaven, including his own son, to save you if you were the only one on this earth. Do you believe that, beloved? That's the message God has for you this morning. That he'll do anything. He'll move all of heaven. He'll move mountains and transport seas. If he could just get you to see, as Moses, the goodness of God this morning, beloved. Do you believe that? The last message of mercy to be given to a dying world is the message of God's last chance for love with you is a message that reveals his character of love. And it is this goodness of love that will lead us to repentance and prepare us for the last days that is soon to come upon us as an overwhelming surprise. This morning, this may not only be God's last chance for love with you, but this may be your very last chance for love with God also. So beloved, why don't you just surrender to his callings for your soul why don't you just give in to his chasings for your love? Why don't you just give in 
for his pleadings for your heart this morning. And if this is your desire to respond to God's last chance of love for you, then why don't you make a commitment to him by raising your hand with me this morning. Amen. May we see God's love this morning. Our closing hymn this morning is 195 Showers of Blessing. 195 Showers of Blessing.